At RBC Wealth Management, they believe financial security begins by building a plan you can trust. Their financial advisors provide advice customized to your needs. So no matter where you are in life, you can depend on their expertise to help build a wealth plan that's right for you. Let them build your plan today. Call the Quigley Group at the Oak Ware office of RBC Wealth Management at 715-858-7788 to see how they can help. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Hey folks, this is 13 and 3, otherwise known as Mogi and JC, welcoming you to another fantastic episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. This episode is sponsored by Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and Remedy Bloody Mary Mix. We would like to welcome our featured guest to the podcast, Minnesota Wild Senior Manager of Communications and Engagement, Dave Schwartz. Mogi? Hey, we are here at the Wild Headquarters at 317 Washington Street in St. Paul, Minnesota. Dave, thanks so much for hosting us today. Thank you for coming into our windowless conference room here where we're just kind of tucked into a little closet. <laughs> yeah, but we got four walls and a couple microphones. We're doing all right. There you Good go. Enough. Absolutely. You know, uh, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild and your your position here, but you are not new to hockey. You grew up playing hockey yourself. Yeah, I did. I started when I was 11 years old. Uh, I was actually a swimmer for many years. Uh, and the last two or three, I begged my parents to let me stop swimming and start playing hockey. Of course, my mother said, no, you'll get hurt. You'll get hurt. And then I think finally we had a conversation of, listen, mom, you either have a swimmer's body or you don't. And I'm five foot 10 and I'm, you know, 130 pounds or whatever at that point. I said, I, God did not give me a swimmer's body. He gave me a hockey body. And so I started playing. And when I was younger, I started right in and I don't remember exactly what the age was, but we were allowed to check. So boy, I was, I was, yeah. yeah, I was right in it and I loved it. It was just an outlet for me. I loved the feeling of flying down the ice, scoring a goal, um, being with your teammates, a big hit. It was fun. I was a very quiet kid, believe it or not. Uh, once I came out of my shell, it was a little different. But <laughs> get him in uh, front of a camera, yeah, it's exactly, a whole different a ball different. game. And I just, I, I loved it. I loved watching it. Loved playing it. I wanted to be around it all the time. What position did you play? So I was a center, um, but I was because I was good at faceoffs. But I always liked to dig in the corners too. So sometimes we'd start at center, and then I'd switch mid. You know, I'd take the faceoff and then switch to the wing when the the center would go back. But I just loved. I wasn't exactly a finesse goal scoring center. I was a good um, checking line center that I could still do some stuff, but I'm also, also wasn't. I liked mixing it up a little bit in the corners. So when oh, you were like little, that. you said you wanted to be a center with the New York Rangers. Correct. So was there a player in particular that you modeled your game after? I loved Wayne Gretzky. I was a Wayne Gretzky freak. Everything about what he did, I tucked my, the right side of my jersey in like he did. Um, everything that he did, I did. I had his stick. 
I mean, like I loved Wayne Gretzky. He was everything to me. And so I, I wanted to be like him. Read his autobiography more than once, multiple times. Um, I, I knew used to send him birthday cards every year. Oh, no, every that is a year. fan. Yeah. <laughs> I got to interview him one time in my professional journalism career. And it was here, actually. This was this was quite a while. It was my first year in Minnesota. And um, he was coaching with the Phoenix Coyotes at the time. And they said, hey, go on down and get some sound with Gretzky because they knew how much I liked him. So I go down there and I'm standing in a, in a room that's about this size, pretty small, visiting media. There's three or four people. And I'm standing with my photographer and you can literally see the sweat dripping down my arm <laughs> from my hand. I'm so nervous. And Gretzky comes in and I'm just – and my whole – body just goes numb. Like, what am I going to do? So I'm like, well, just be quiet. Let everyone else ask their questions. Then you can jump in. So they, everybody asks their questions. I'm like, all right, it's time. And, and, and so finally I go, uh, Wayne, he goes, yeah. I said, uh, <laughs> he said, pardon me. I said, uh, and I'm like, I'm screaming in my head, ask a question. <laughs> And so finally, I spit something out about Marion Gabbert because he had like five goals against him. And he it was very nice enough because I think he probably thought I was something was wrong with me, that I had a stroke or something. <laughs> um, and so he answered the question. He was very nice. And he walked out. And I turned back to my photographer. And he's just laughing at me. I go, how bad was it? He said, well, I don't think it's usable. I said, well, why not? He said, I was shaking so much with laughter. You can't see the video. <laughs> I'm like, whoops. Oh, man. And I never got to interview him again. That was it. So, but I, yeah, I idolized him growing up and, and, and then getting to meet him, how much of an, he was such a nice guy, too, for the few minutes that I spent with him. Well, you know, you're both involved in the game. Yeah. And so you may run into him again sometime. Down I the tried. Road. My, my last, uh, one of my last things that I covered uh, with my, the news station was the Winter Classic. And TNT was coming here for that. Yeah. And I pulled every string that I could. Hey, can I get Gretzky? Can I get Gretzky? Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then they didn't come for the Winter Classic. The studio show didn't come. So yeah. I lost out on my chance. But that's okay. I had a lot of other good opportunities. Oh, I'm sure there's been other interviews that you've had that we can certainly talk about. But Absolutely. That, well. Growing up in the East Coast, played a little hockey growing up, obviously a sports fanatic. Is that what drew you to journalism and the sports world? It is. I, what I really loved most is telling stories and, and frankly, being at games. Um, it was never really my desire to be with a big network and, you know, sit nothing against ESPN, but sit in Bristol, Connecticut on a desk calling, you know, soccer highlights from the Premier League at 2 a.m. or whatever. That was just not something I wanted to do. I loved telling stories. I loved getting information, building relationships with athletes and, and staff. And then, you know, my my parents would always say, well, you're a yenta, which is Yiddish for me. It's you're nosy. You're a busybody, which is exactly what I am. And that's why I did what I did. I always wanted to know people's business. You know, that's what you do. Uh, and, and that just, it, it drew me to that. And so I did, I actually did radio in college and I loved it. I started calling hockey games and then football games and then lacrosse games and basketball. And by the time I was done at school, I had pretty much called play-by-play -play for every single sport that we had uh, and did my own radio show. And so I just loved it. The, the excitement of being at a game, um, being able to meet people and having them trust you to tell their stories and then being able to tell their stories. It's just something I really enjoyed and I, and I real passion for it and covering events and being there and being able to be the main purveyor of information, I think is something that journalists really love, right? With always want to be first, but we want to be first and correct. And so, um, I, I enjoyed that. It was a rush. It was kind of a high for me. And it, it was great. I mean, I, there's really not anything that I did that I didn't get a chance to do in my career. And so I'm really grateful for it. 
where did you go to college? I went to Hobart and William Smith Colleges, which is a very small college uh, on in Western New York. I actually went there because I thought I was going to play hockey. They were Division Three. I tried out. I made it through the first tryout, uh, the, and I figured really quickly the only way I was going to make this team is if I could hit somebody because these guys were all skilled and they were all strong. And so uh, the team captain, who was a defenseman, he was six three, two twenty five, and I was. 5, 10, 170. And I said, well, if I'm going to make the team, I'm going to take him out. So he's skating up the ice and I lined him up and he knew I was going to hit him. And he hit me so hard that I went over the bench into the, uh, into our seats. Uh, my knee swelled up and I was cut the next day. So you know what? Game, set, match. I mean, I was either going to make it or I was going to miss fantastically. I don't think I really had a chance anyway. So, um, but I did. And so the night I had playing, uh, calling hockey games and it was just like a, a light that went off. I mean, I loved playing, but even being able to capture the action and be there and see it and really get into it. Um, and, and then I got to do that for all different sports because it was a small school. We didn't really have a journalism major, so no one really used the radio station. And I had a great advisor there who name is Mike Black. He was the general manager of the radio station. And, and I credit him with everything that, you know, my career, because he saw something in me and, and was wonderful to me as a student and just you know, encouraged me and helped me. And then at the end said, you know what, you're really good at this, but you should do TV because that's where the money is, not radio. I said, okay. So I'll, I that's when I went to Syracuse and decided I got my master's in television, but I master's in broadcast journalism. But that was really because I had no television experience. So I had to get some. And so that was a one-year program. And uh, yeah. So I was doing some research mm-hmm. on you and I, and I realized that you had gone to Holbert and William Smith mm-hmm. Colleges. What a beautiful campus. Isn't it? Holy cow, right on the lake there. And it's I imagine beautiful. the fall colors are just stunning. They are amazing. It is It is the, it was such a beautiful campus. And that's what I fell in love with is the campus. And then I managed to make it to a couple of classes every now and then. Oh, huh? But the go. campus was really beautiful. No, I did okay. I passed, you know. I mean, I got out of there in four years. So that's the most important thing. <laughs> and, and your travels eventually brought you to the state of Minnesota, yeah. but not originally in Minneapolis. You no. ended up in Bemidji. Yeah. How did that happen? It wasn't as much of a culture shock as you would think. Uh, n- not as much as it was going from um, Bemidji to Shreveport, Louisiana. I fell in love with Bemidji. I fell in love with Minnesota. I did. Because, I mean, there is nowhere better in the United States for hockey. you know. And I was a nut for it. I loved it. And the only thing I knew about Bemidji before I went there was that Joel Otto went to Bemidji State, the old Calgary Flame. Yeah, he did. And uh, he was one of the few Division Three hockey players in the NHL because they were D3 at the time. So uh, I'm like, that's all I knew. And I got to go there. And and again, another, uh, you know, you just get so grateful and, and you're lucky to meet people in your lives that really kind of set the course for your career. Dennis Wyman, who was the news director and the main, main anchor, and he's still there, uh, was one of the greatest first bosses you could ever have because he understood that his job was putting out a good product, but it was about cultivating talent and then letting you go on your way. And so actually, if you look through a lot of the sports directors who've been through that station, they've gone on to go to really big markets, the like Minneapolis, Cleveland, San Diego, St. Louis. Um, I mean, they go places because it's a really great job. You get to anchor five days a week. You get the benefit of having a teacher right there who knows the business. Um and and you just get to have a lot of fun. It was just a great time up there. The town was awesome. The people are wonderful. Um, I got to learn and cover hockey, Division One hockey, with one of the greatest coaches, Tom Saratori, who's just a legend. Um, and I loved getting to know him, and I still keep up with him today. So it it, it was a great experience. Now, see, at, 
<clears throat> Air Force. So his brother Frank, and oh, Frank's right. the one that makes okay. all the headlines because Frank yeah, just says Frank's... whatever he wants. Yeah, Tom he's... has a very small filter, okay, but not much. <laughs> but I liked Tom, and I respected Tom because Tom, in his own way, taught me about how to be prepared for an interview. Never had any run-ins with him, but I learned very quickly that if you weren't prepared, it wasn't going to be a good interview. But if you were prepared, and he knew you were prepared, he'd give you anything. And Tommy gave me anything I needed. And still to this day, when, when they made the tournament a couple years ago, and he had already done his media veil, and I called the SID and I said, hey, can I get him for a quick interview? I know he's already done. Tom called me five minutes later. What do you need, Dave? Oh, and then very nice. 20 years later, you know, yeah. 15 years later. You know, when we start talking about sports casting and then you mention hockey, you kind of light up a little bit. So... <laughs> You know, you've covered many sports throughout your career. What drew you to hockey itself? It, it was because it was a comfort thing for me. I, I just loved it. I loved playing it, loved watching it. I've covered it everywhere I've gone, even in Shreveport, Louisiana. They had a CHL team, which is, I don't even think the league's around any longer, the Bozier Shreveport Mudbugs, which, and their logo was as fantastic as you'd think it would be. It was a giant red crawfish with a hockey stick. I mean, it's just yeah, look baby. It up. It's just a great. It's a great logo, and I have one of the jerseys still. It was great, and nobody in the town knew anything about hockey. You know, they had no idea the CHL was different from the AHL, was different from the NHL. They thought if a guy was good there, why isn't he playing for the Dallas Stars? It's like, well, there's a little bit of difference there between the two, between just the a levels, little, couple yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. um, but it was fun, and so I got to cover it there too. It, it's just. Hockey is just, you know, 42 now, 42, 43 maybe. I forget how old I am now. I think I'm 42. That's right. Um, and that only gets worse, I guess. Uh, 42 years old. Yeah. It tell, does. Us, tell us about it, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's the second thing yeah. to go. Okay, good. Good. Um, I, I've always been around it. And I, and I just – and I think the other thing about hockey that I like and appreciate is that when you know the game, the people in the game respect you. And and when I was a journalist in this town, the wild players were always really good to me. And I hope it's because I was good to them too, but I think it was also because I knew the game and I loved the game and I appreciated the game. And so it's just kind of always been, uh, not even background music in my life, it's just always been my passion. And, and I'm just, and now I get to be around it every day. So you talked about what a hockey culture there was up in Bemidji and the Minnesota hockey culture in general. But you're from New York, and there's quite the hockey culture there, too. How does it compare to Minnesota? Nothing like it. it, it there's a hockey culture there now. When I grew up there, um, uh, let's just say I would have been a lot better hockey player if I had grown up in Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know if I would have been a college player, but I would have been, you know, the, the opportunities that kids here have to play really good hockey and train and do hockey-specific activities and training uh, to be good is something I didn't grow up with. We didn't have a high school team. I played for a club team. Um, and my club team probably wouldn't be able to beat any JV team. We wouldn't have been able to beat a JV team in the state anywhere. It, it was just It's just a different level. We had one junior team um, in Albany, New York. I tried out for it. Didn't make it. I mean, it was a junior A team, and they, I mean, they went all around. They had guys who went on to play in the NHL. I had no business being there, <laughs> which why they were really nice. They returned my tryout check after my first one and said, We're really sorry. We're not even going to take your check. <laughs> That's how bad my tryout was. Um, you know, at least story. you can laugh about it oh, now. Yeah, why not? I mean, I've gotten closer. To, I've probably gotten closer to the Stanley Cup as a journalist than I, well, I know I'm closer than I ever would have ever did as a player. So, um, but yeah, growing up there, it, it was an emerging hockey culture. It's very different now. 
a lot of high schools have teams. There's more club options. There's more junior options. There's more training options. Um, it's just exploded in, yeah. in New York quite a bit. It was not the same as it w- when I was a kid there. You know, um, after you leave the South, you come back North. And you ended up in Minnesota for quite some time as a sportscaster before you ended up here at the Wild. How was that? I mean, you're covering, you've got all the major sports here. And how was that working out for you? I mean, how did you enjoy that? And what brought you here? Yeah, so my job at CARE 11 brought me here. Um, I started as a sports reporter and then um, was eventually worked up to being weekend sports anchor. And I co-hosted our Saturday morning show. Um, I've told people that I had more once-in-a-lifetime sports uh, experiences than so many that they became common, which is unbelievable, right? I mean, people, maybe you'll go to a Stanley Cup one time or get to see one game. I got to cover a Stanley Cup, go to a couple games. I've covered Super Bowls. I've covered five Olympic games. You know, I mean, you're lucky if you even get to one if you're a fan, but I got to cover five. Uh, only three in person. The last two were were from back here, but still. So you know, when in in terms of walking away grateful and looking back and thinking, well, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything that I haven't done? There was nothing, and um, so it was it was. I, I just I had so many awesome experiences and things that I did, and and it was kind of time. It was just you know, in in your life, you get to an, a time where you go, you know what. It's okay. The train's stopping at the station, but there's another one there to jump on. And, and maybe it's a little scary. Maybe we don't know where it's going, but you know what? We only go around once. You might as well see where it takes you. And I have no regrets. So it was easy to jump on, you know, like there's nothing left that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I wanted to do. So I'm just, I was very grateful for it. You know, you mentioned the Wayne Gretzky <laughs> interview when you're back here at care. We're going to bring that back up already? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good story. All right, all right, good, good. <laughs> when, when you're back here at care, were there any other interviews that stand out, regardless of hockey or in any of the other sports that you thought, man, that that player stood out or, you know, such a nice guy or, or yeah, another gaffe? Yeah. Well, there's plenty of gaffes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were there were I, – I, there were so many great interview segments and things that I got to do. And hockey guys were always easier to talk to f- for me. And, and maybe it's just because we get, I get it, you know. Um, but there were a lot of uh, – to be able to cover Adrian Peterson in his prime and, and we got to go to his hometown um, and hang out with him and his family and get to know his family. Um, and obviously, you know, people have their, their feelings on him. He's quite a polarizing figure, I think, at this point. But yeah. You know, for me, he was very good to me before everything happened. We went to his hometown and covered Adrian Peterson Day. And, you know, they had food there. And he, we found out later because they said, they said, oh, we'll come have some meals. Like, well, we're eating, we'll eat later. And, and we didn't have any cash on us at the time. And, and she said, no, no, Adrian Peterson, Adrian paid, paid for you. I said, he did. He goes, yeah. So we walk over. He goes, well, you got to eat, man. Go eat. You're like, get something. We'll, you know, and he was there covering, auto- he was signing autographs. And I'll remember this from this weekend. He was he was signing autographs and he was only slated to do it for about an hour. But 
Palestine, Texas is about the size of a shoebox, but everybody in that town loves Adrian Peterson. And I think everybody in the town was there to get an autograph from Adrian Peterson. And I think he was supposed to sign for an hour and he stayed for like three. He just, And it was like 150 degree Texas heat, you know, <laughs> he's sweating through shirts, but man, he wanted to make sure everybody got an autograph and a picture uh, and everything they wanted to do. And, and it was, that was him. What I, I will say this from, from my journalism career the big interviews and things aren't the ones that you remember. It's the stories that you get to tell and and the story of the common person doing something extraordinary, like Olympians, um, Olympic curlers, John Schuster, who I got to know very well, who people forget is is kind of a Wisconsin boy. He's from Superior, even though he's from he lives in Duluth now. He's he's born in uh, in Superior. Um and those are the stories that you really that you that you take with you. It's it's being at the women's Olympic hockey game when they won gold. It's being there when uh, T.J. Oshie against Russia goes for the shootout back and forth and back and forth and back <laughs> yes. and forth. Like those are the things that I will never in my mind forget. They'll just stick there forever. And it's because of those things that I smile and think, man, that was awesome. What a fantastic memory. Hey, we're going to take a minute for one of our sponsors here. Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Clinic has been committed to the health care needs of patients in western Wisconsin since 1954. The orthopedic surgeons and athletic trainers serve many area high schools. Their success and reputation as an outstanding orthopedic clinic can be attributed to the teamwork of friendly, knowledgeable physicians and staff. They are dedicated to providing each patient with exceptional attention and service, and I, for one, can attest to this as uh, Dr. Berg recently uh, did a little tune-up on my shoulder. Yeah, and it couldn't have gotten any worse from what it was, Moog, so it can only get better. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's got to be a little bit of a challenge between, or, you know, a little chat between Mogi and I. A little bit of rivalry, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no problem. How are you, you getting home? <laughs> we can get an Uber. We got you. We got you. Or a Lyft. Big city, whoever, we got Uber. Whoever sponsors you. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> we got you. Um, you know, let's fast forward now to... Um, you're ending your career as a sports journalist, and this ad comes up for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. You know, before we turned on the microphones, you gave us a little background as to how that happened. Tell our listeners yeah. how that transpired. So, you know, the last couple of years of my journalism career, I mean, I have two I have two small kids and a wife who, who works. And it was just getting really tough because I was working every single weekend, and I was gone from, you know, my, my Saturday schedule. I started at 6 a.m. and I was come home for a little while and then I was there until 11 at night. And during football seasons on Sundays, I was there till, from 9 a.m. until midnight. So uh, there were some days that I was, some weeks that I was saying goodbye to my family on Friday and didn't see my kids again and my wife until Monday morning. And there's only so much of that that you can do after a while where yeah. it starts oh, to become, yeah. this is a lot of fun. I enjoy this, but the juice just isn't worth the squeeze anymore. And the, and And so I was always kind of thinking about opportunities, but knew that I wasn't going to take just anything, that it would have to be something that kind of hit with me that made me, that I was passionate about for me to leave a career that I, that I still enjoyed. You know, I still enjoyed what I was doing. And I said, well, I knew it had to be in hockey. And so my very good friend uh, sent me this ad and she said, you know, I know you love TV. I know you love journalism, but you should just look at this because I know how much you love hockey and I know you've thought about it. Just look at the ad and it sounds like you. What do you think? <clears throat> so I looked at it and I thought, sure, what the heck, I'll apply. 
you know, wh- why not? So I applied. Um, and then <laughs> I applied on a Sunday night after I was working overnights at the time because it was the end of the Olympics. And I thought, all right, so three o'clock in the morning, I'm filling out this job application because <laughs> I'm up. So I fill it out on it was Saturday night into Sunday, 8 a.m. on Monday morning, I had a reply from our recruiter. Um, and, and she said, hey, you know, you're interested. Uh, what's your salary requirements? And so I said, whatever Kirill got, give me double. No, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. Um, That's probably good. Yeah. Um, so I put my requirements down and I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. So I'm like, uh-oh. And, my, you know, and then all of a sudden it was just real fast and furious. And so she said, hey, our, my boss wants to interview you. So I interviewed with, at the time she was the head of our people team. And then I interviewed with Kara. And then I, all of a sudden I was coming in. And I inter- and I did a project for them, a communications plan that was a lot of fun because it was a lot of the skills and things that I'd done in my journalism career, but I'd never done them on paper. I'd never done it and seen it out on paper. I'm like, this was kind of fun. I enjoyed this. You know, it's, and, and now I kind of want to see where it goes. Um, so I go through the interview process. I come in and I interview with Matt Maka, uh, Jeff Pellegrim, uh, Emily, um, uh, who's no longer here anymore. She's she left, and now I forgot her last name. Um, and then uh, I interviewed with Mitch Helgerson as well, who's who's one. So they're all of our VPs, and it was a great interview process. Enjoyed it. It was all day. Um, they gave me another um, crisis communications exercise that I did, and it was. I said I had done with it, no problem. And they said, "Wow, that was that was fast." I said, "Well, I've been on the other side of crisis communications for a long time in journalism, sure, and knowing what I don't, what what shouldn't be done. So the other side's really easy. I know exactly." Um, and then I had a great interview with with them, and I've known Matt for many years, Matt Maker, who's our our CEO. And, and I, when I tell you he's one of the kindest, most humble human beings you've ever met, it's truthful. He he, if he introduces himself to you, he's the kind of person. And this is true because I heard it the other day. He won't tell you he's the CEO of the Wild. He will just say, "I'm Matt. I work with the Wild. That's it." I mean, work with the Wild. He's the CEO of the Wild, <laughs> but he's very humble and and he's a very good human being. And and I think both he and Craig Leopold are a reason why the culture here is the way it is, because they believe in making sure that everybody feels valued. And I've never worked at a place like this, and and I've never worked for leadership that I believed in and felt like I had the same like mindset like they do here. Uh, so it's it's been a real treat. It it there was. I was never really scared, um, even though it was a big career change, but it was because I knew I was going into hockey. I knew I was going to work with people that I knew already because I knew a lot of people over here. Uh, and, but then to get here and start and be here, and it was just, it was a dream that came reality and it, and it lived up to it. And I, you know, I've been here for two months and I've enjoyed every day. So uh, I think, I think it was a good decision. You know, we, we've talked about how you got here in your position, but what is the manager of communications? Yeah. What is your day-to-day life like? Well, the nice thing about my day-to-day is every day is different, and I like that, especially being in journalism for 20 years. I, I don't like desks. I like to walk around, and that's a lot of what I get to do. It's a lot of uh, relationship building with people. I like to tell people that I um, – it's kind of – you know, communications is a two-way street, and I'm the intersection on the stoplight. Everything's got – everything goes through me. So I help management communicate with everybody that we work with and the, and people, and then all the people communicate with management and help that free flowing of information go back and forth so everybody can be heard, right? Because the, the, they have a message that needs to come down, but there's more to that, right? The workers, the people who work here, the, the people who are on the ground, boots on the ground, 
also want to be heard and they want to be recognized. And so I get to be kind of the good news service for all the people of the company and tell their stories and get to know them, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's also my job to keep people happy and engaged. And, and, you know, so I do everything from, you know, surveys on what we, on what we've done. We do meetings. I, we just had an all staff meeting yesterday and I did a survey. So now we can go back and look at the data and say, okay, here's what worked. Here's what didn't, here's what we want to change. And I can take that to our VPs and say, look, this was, they like this, they didn't like this. Um, and so, and I, and I serve as in-house MC for events. If the ticket staff needs some stuff and I do that, and it's just a lot of different and it's constantly evolving. Um, you know, we have, we have our values, our, our core values here. And, and they keep joking that I was the, the dare to be different value. Cause that's one of our values, like do something different. It's okay. And so that was me hiring a former journalist who loves hockey to be internal communications because I knew a lot about communications, but I've never done internal communications. So there were some things I had to be taught and I had to learn and I was ready to learn and they've been patient with me to learn. And I just, um, they celebrate the wins for everybody. So it's been a lot of fun to be, you know, after 20 years of having mo some good news and some bad news, uh, because I did cover the Vikings for a long time uh, and people get mad about that. Um, when things go bad, it's nice to just be about for the most, mostly good news now <laughs> and just tell good people's stories. Yeah. Right. Isn't Speak that the truth? Speaking of good news. So yeah. you joined the wild two months ago. Yeah. So you had, must've seen this momentum building throughout the year with this, with this team. I mean, Billy Guerin comes on board, uh, makes some personnel changes, picks up some guys yeah. and pretty soon, I mean, I follow Michael Russo on Twitter, mm -hmm. and I just put something out the other day when they were playing Nashville, and they went five to four in overtime. Kulikov, one point three seconds left in overtime. It's like these guys do not know quit. That's no. got to make it fun for you being. It's here a blast, day. and I wish I'd known that this was coming. I wish I could say that I foresaw this amazing year that we're having. But, I thought um, you were part of. It. I mean, well, part of the wave, right? When they when I first got here, they lost a number of games, <laughs> and I heard about it. I told you this already. Like I got tweets. Dave Schwartz is the curse. In fact, one of my first nights at my first games as an employee, I was in with Craig and his suite with uh, someone I was with, and and um, Billy Garen and Matt was there. Matt Maka. And I've been real quiet. I hadn't, didn't want to say much. I'm just kind of taking on and going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this experience is happening right now. Here I am listening to Craig and Billy talk about why the power play wasn't working. And, you know, my old life, you'd never get that kind of access. And Matt comes, in, how's it going, Dave? I said, oh, it's good, good. He goes, so what's your record since you got here? I said, shh, <laughs> Matt, we're not talking about this. We, we can't talk about it. We certainly not in front of Craig, you know, we're, they were kidding. Um, and it, but it was, it, What's fun about this team is that not only is there no quit, this team is has a chemistry and that binds them together like no team I don't think that I've ever witnessed in Minnesota in, in the Wild organization, not not looking from the outside in. Um, and I think Billy would tell you the same thing, that these guys are just so in it for each other and that there is no quit any night. They all celebrate each other. There's great chemistry between the guys. And there's depth, you know, I mean, that that's the one thing that I keep saying that even, you know, you don't want anybody to go down, but the other night they're without Dumba Greenway. We're without Dumba Greenway, Felino, uh, and then we lose Spurgeon yeah. and we still beat the Predators, Yeah, you know, in their place Yeah, at the end of a pretty game. tough road trip. Yeah. That's great. I mean, game. that's a really good, when you look at that team and that kind of stuff happens, you're like, okay, 
you know, we got something here. And and I think they've had a lot of those moments lately. And, and Kulikov's goal in overtime, which comes off Erickson X unbelievable oh, fight play. against, yeah. you know, offer against yeah. two guys on the wall to knock the puck loose to him. Yeah. And then it's Kulikov. I mean, probably my son went, I made my son go to bed because it was a game was running late. He said, Dad, it's going to be Fiala. He ends it. I said, No, nah, I'm going to say Eck. And then he got up the next morning. He goes, Who ended it? I said, You'll never guess. Is Tyson Jost? I said, nope, even more random. <laughs> he said, Kulikov? I go, yep, it was Kulikov. The last guy you would expect, right, to, to a game-winning goal in overtime. But that's why this team's great. If Spurgeon's playing, Kulikov's not seen the rink at that point. You're right. Yeah. Yep. And that's and the fact that you can go to your next guy down. And then, yeah. you know, you talk about that next man up mentality. It's a cliche. Yeah. But with this team, it it really works. And you've, you know, you look at the depth that they have, and even you go all the way down to the third, fourth line. Marcus Felino's having a, still having a career here. Yeah, he you is. know he's been out yeah. right now, but um, it's just it's it's everybody and the depth. And you look at great teams that win championships. Um, when you think about the Blackhawks of the early mid two thousands and Colorado, and I mean these other, that's like, yeah, it, because in the playoffs, your first line cancels out. You know, your first line's matched by their first line, and, and you know, so you forget it. So your scoring's got to come from really lines two and three, and if you're lucky, lines four. And, you know, the, the, when the Washington Capitals won the Cup a couple of years ago is because they had that amazing, you know, they had depth. And, and I, that was the Stanley Cup I got to cover. And it's because, you know, their third line in that series was amazing. And, and they just could Vegas couldn't match them. You know, uh, this is fun. Um, but... <laughs> You know, you're talking about your day-to-day activities and the yeah. communication. Do you ever have to, uh, for lack of better terms, interject when there's a lot of uh, requests coming in for interviews from the players? Do you ever step in and say, hey, you know, we're kind of monitoring how many guys are allowed to talk mm-hmm. because things are just out of control? Do you, any Anything in, the, in that realm that you, you know, are responsible the, for? No, the good news is... Now, during the playoffs, this is a different story. I think once anything with the communications in your title is probably going to be brought in to help <laughs> sure. out. But that's more that's more player PR. So Aaron Sickman and Megan Kogut, who are phenomenal people and very, very good at their job. But I do know that there ha- – I would imagine that there has to be some, hey, we can do this, but we can't do that. Uh, and that's always the poll because I've been on the other side of it too, you know, where you're asking for everything. And I think – most people on the journalism side understand, yeah, we're going to ask and it might, they might say yes, they might say no. But I think we also understand that around this time of year, while the goal is to be focused on the playoffs, there's also going to be a lot more attention too. Um, but I don't necessarily have, a, I don't necessarily step into that world unless they need me, which they might. Who knows? I offered. I said, you need me to run papers? I'll run papers. I just want to be at the playoffs game. That's all I care about. I want to be there and have a duty to do. And I, so I'm pretty sure they'll take me up on that. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> you know, you mentioned when you were uh, going through the hiring process, you had to do a crisis situation or type. What's an example of a crisis situation that you yeah. would have to deal with? Well, me now, we haven't had many, to be completely honest with you. Not since I've been here, not in the two months. Yeah, knock on wood. That's right. Um, there's always, you know, in, in other teams around, if a player gets in trouble, would usually classify as a crisis situation or staff member or something like that, where, you know, you'd bring people in and say, okay, you know, what do we do? How do we handle this? Where do we go? And I mean, we have so many good people here who who know how to run those things and who know how to do those things. My, you know, what I add, I don't know other than maybe that I've been on the other side and I've been in the media. So I do understand 
you know, what we're look what they're looking for maybe or what goes out and what shouldn't go out. But we have so many smart people here inside this organization. And frankly, we have good people in this organization, you know, good guys who who are good hockey players and we think good people. And so we haven't had to deal with that much, which is pretty nice. Yeah, because there's been enough teams in all sports that yeah. have had those situations where things are out of hand. But uh, we're going to give another quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Remedy Bloody Mary Mix, based out of Wisconsin and created to satisfy your deep craving for a Bloody Mary. The recipe is created so you don't have to add anything except ice and your favorite spirit. It already includes all of your favorite ingredients with just the right amount of heat. You can find places near you to purchase Remedy at local grocery stores or online at RemedyBloodyMaryMix.com. So, Dave, you talk about the, the organization and what good things people bring to it. So what, what do you see as uh, General Manager Billy Guerin bringing to the wild? Boy, I'll, he's such a great leader. He's a very smart hockey mind, first of all. And and he's been very... Um, call it brave uh, to to make moves that needed to be done. And those aren't easy and sometimes they're not accepted, but as Billy says when you win, you know everything everything gets forgiven when you win. Yeah. And that's ultimately what Craig wants and what all of us want here is we we want to win a Stanley Cup and whatever that takes, you know, has to be done. But, you know, he's traded away Dr- Jason Zucker who was who was a fan favorite here. He had buy out Parisi and Suter, which you know, I think a lot of people understood it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, it, he, he brings in guys that work here. And I think that's, what's impressed me the most. You know, you come to the deadline and especially when the team's playing pretty well, it can be tough. And we've seen here in Minnesota, it can be tough when you mess with the chemistry in the locker room, Yeah, you bring someone in, maybe they're a good player, but you don't know how they're going to, how they're going to mesh. <clears throat> and they brought in, you know, Nick Delorier and they brought in Jake Middleton and, and we brought in Tyson Jones and obviously Mark Andre Fleury and, what, I'm sure that he did all his homework, and I know that he has ways to figure this out. But for it to work like it's worked, and Delorier and Felino are you know become good friends, and Jake, it's and it just it just works. He got exactly what the team needed. We needed a little bit of an an extra oomph at goaltender. We'll put it that way. And frankly. If you even have a chance at a Hall of Fame, you know, future Hall of Fame goaltender like Mark Andre Fleury, doesn't matter who you have. You take, you, you go for that if you can get it. And I think for what we got him for it was a, was a pretty good deal. Um, but he brought in grit and toughness and guys that you know. I, I keep, I always think back to that. It was a Calgary game a couple of months, maybe two months ago, and we're running dump and chase. We're running dump and chase, but we're not getting puck possession. It's just not working. We're not getting the guy. And then Delorier's first game against Vegas, his first goal. He dumps it in, checks the snot out of the guy, knocks the puck loose, goes around at the front, gets a one-time pass for a goal. I mean, and it, it just worked perfectly, and that's what we needed. We had skill. We had toughness. We had depth. <clears throat> but we needed grit, and he used that a lot, and I think we we got that. And I think it's it's worked out really well. You know, that's I like this. This is this is fun where you're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together for us right now when we're talking about the wild and you know, we're giving a lot of credit uh to Billy Guerin, but you've got a damn good coaching staff as well. Now, does he look to the coaching staff when he's starting to look at the future and say, Hey, what is your input? That's a great question. I don't know exactly, but I but knowing Billy, I think he talks to everybody. I really do, and I think he values everybody's opinion, and and so it doesn't surprise me in the least if he's talked with 
every single coach, every single player. I know he and Craig have a great relationship. They're talking all the time. So Billy, to me, is completely devoid of ego. Uh, for and, and for a guy of his stature and what he's done, to, to have such little uh, – to, no ego at all it, it is amazing to me. I've interviewed general managers, owners, and I mean, like – Billy Guerin is is not like everybody. He really isn't. He he has this way about him um, of of just becoming. He's just a common person. He walks the halls here. Everybody says hi to him, and he talks the same to uh, an executive assistant as he does to his you know assistant GM and or me. Uh, I saw him a couple weeks ago and he was talking to me about something in his office. I said, Bill, I've never been in your office. He goes, Well, why the heck not? <laughs> My door's wide open all the time. You can get in there anytime you need to, and so. Um, I, 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 that's just his way. And I think, you know, we had an all staff meeting yesterday and, you know, I was in moderating it and we were chatting about the team. And I said, Billy, I know we're all, we're all really pulling for you here in the playoffs. And, and, you know, we want the best for this team. We hope, we hope you guys knock it out of the park. Hope you win. And he said, you know what? I want to take a moment and thank everybody. And this was an all staff. This wasn't just hockey. This was everybody in, in Minnesota Wild, Minnesota, Minnesota Sports Entertainment. And he said, doesn't matter who you are. We all contribute to this. And I appreciate every single person who has contributed to it. And we couldn't do it without any of you. We could not do it without anybody from, from MSE, from the wild, from, from all of us. It, we are all a member of the team and we are all trying to win the Stanley Cup. And that's a small message, but that's a big message to, to people who are in the machine of this, you know, and, and so for our general manager to stand up there and not even be prompted just to take this opportunity to say it. And mind you, I will tell you too, that the, the staff meeting was an hour and 25 minutes. If I told you Billy Guerin came, I'd love to guess what you thought, what time he showed up at. If you're a general manager of a hockey team and you have stuff to do, you'd think he came in at what? Last 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Last give, 30 minutes? Yeah. He was there for every minute of that entire meeting including when I walked up to him and I said, hey, do you want to go next? Because I know you got stuff to do. He goes, no, no, I'm good. I only came in for this. He only came in for that staff meeting that day. That's so Billy Garrett. That's that lets, who he is. That lets everybody else know that he felt that was a really important meeting, yep. that he needed to be there. And- yep. And he treats everybody that way. Yeah. the same. And, wow. and and Craig Leopold does too. And Matt Maka does too. And, and everybody here treats and understands that it takes all of us, truly all of us to win, which is important. Lead by example. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, Mogi and I were here in town um, to watch the uh, Blackhawks and Wild game. And at that time, Fleury was wearing a Blackhawks uniform, and he didn't play for the Hawks that night. Was there anything already in talks and discussion at that time that maybe <laughs> Fleury was coming to, to be a Minnesota Wild, and that's why he wasn't suiting up? I would tell you whatever Michael Russo said is probably a good is probably a good indicator because I'm gonna he's probably more in tuned and, and plugged in with that than I am, but again, knowing Billy, knowing Craig, and Billy would tell you we're always talking, we always we always try to gauge what's out there, and I'm sure that he was, I'm sure that maybe there was a conversation. I don't know that for a fact because I wasn't there, but in my mind, I think well, anybody who's smart, if you're thinking you might need goaltending help, and Mark Andre Fleury is coming to town, and you think he's available. Why wouldn't you at least yeah. gauge it? I don't know whether he did or whether he didn't, or, yeah. it, or it just kind of came together. I know though on trade deadline day, my office is right next to the uh, break room that they were, the boardroom that they were working in. And we heard uh, Craig say, well, where do I send the plane? You know, which, cause there's three airports in Chicago. And I jumped up and saw the guy next to me go, we got flurry. <laughs> he goes, well, could have been someone else. I go, yeah, but it's probably flurry. He goes, so we were celebrating. Um, but I, I, 
you know, knowing how hockey works and knowing how these guys work, I'm sure uh, it didn't just all come together in five minutes on trade deadline day. Sure. I'll put it that way. Heck no. <laughs> so you've been playing hockey since 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Gave it a shot in college. Uh, well, now that you're now that you're here and you're in this huge Minnesota hockey culture, do you slap the blades on at all in any men's leagues? Or oh yeah, get together. With some yeah, buddies? I still play once a week. I play uh, on a, in a Wednesday night men's league. Sometimes I'll play pickup if I'd like to try to get in twice a week, um, but it's usually more more often than not just one. Uh, I coach my kids. I did coach high school for a little while. It ended up getting to be just a little too busy. So between coaching both my kids and playing. And then every now and then they let us on the ice. We get to do, uh, I, I've been told there was one ice employee ice hockey game last week on Wednesday, which is my men's league night. They said, Dave, you coming? I said, well, if I play hockey after work until seven and go home and then say, I got to leave at eight 30 to go play hockey again and tell my wife to put the kids to bed, I will be living in my office, not just playing <laughs> hockey here. So I said no to that one, but supposedly we're going to have uh, some more hockey next year. But yeah, I, I still, I love when I coach, I play with the kids. My son's a peewee, my daughter's a 10 U. And so I always get out and, you know, when we coach and play, we have fun with the kids. And then I, I still play uh, with some, with a fun men's league here. That's just, there's some, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a little bit of competitiveness, but not enough that it make takes away from the fun. You win the game, you lose the game. Everybody sits and has a beer afterwards in the locker room. It's a good, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's the way it should be. And yep. that's the way Mogi and I enjoy our Wednesday night men's league yeah, as yeah. well. Playing for fun, Keep playing for the fun yeah, and, right. and the camaraderie afterwards. Because it's a heck of a lot better than a treadmill. Yeah, right? yes, it is. a lot more fun than yeah, a treadmill. It sure Holy is. cow! Yeah, it sure is. no doubt about that. You know, as your new position, mm-hmm. do you ever get the opportunity to actually interact with the players? And if so, who is the yeah. who is the biggest character on the team? Well, I, I do. And that's one of the things I like about my job is I have a lot of freedom to do whatever I want. And so I do um, a weekly video. It's called our Highlight Reel, um, where I kind of I write a script, tape myself, and I can kind of do whatever I want with it. And so for the first one, after the one that we did after the trade deadline – because we do new employee slides all the time for our in-house. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do a couple for the new draft picks that we got or the new uh, trade guys that we got. So I went, I, I went and interviewed um, Jost, Delorier, uh, Jake Middleton, and Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't there yet. He had to fly back to Chicago, so I didn't get to talk to him. But basically I you know, chatted with him, asked him, what's their hockey memory? What's one fun thing that we didn't know about you? And there's a lot of characters. Uh, I'm I'm partial because Marcus Foligno I've known for years, and he was always great to me when I was on the journalism side. He's a real character. He's a riot. Uh, Spurgeon is is a very very nice guy, a quiet guy. Nick Delorier is a character. Let me tell you. I mean, he's just a riot. And I talked with him. We chatted for quite a while. And um, you know, he's he's just he's got tattoos. He's tough. He's a real nice guy to chat with. Sure as heck wouldn't want to meet him in a corner or in a dark alley. Nope. You know, just no way. No thank you. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, but he says, he's like, I'm a big softie off the ice. He said, I got four kids. I love my kids. I'm, I'm just a big softie. And I believe it. He's got a very – talking to him, he has a very quiet, calm demeanor, which you think about this guy who literally just grabs guys and bashes their face in. Yeah, and, I, and, I wouldn't notice that by watching a game. No. And then Not you talk all. to him and he's thoughtful and quiet. He likes to cook. Um, he grills a lot and, and I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> and they, it's just, it's one of those things where you, one of the reasons why I love this job and even my old job too, is just to get to kind of delve in a little bit, dig into what makes people tick and that I enjoy that. And so he had a great personality. He was a lot of fun. And I think Moose is, is, is fun 
too. He's, he is fun for sure. He's fun. Um, there's just a lot of good, good, good fun guys on this team. You know, we add Deloria. I'm glad for, for Felino that mm-hmm. he doesn't have to take on some of that physicalness that he had been. I mean, he's really putting the puck in the net and yeah. I know he's a physical player, but if he doesn't need to step in and, you know, Take care of business. And it never hurts to have too many guys for the other team to be scared of. <laughs> you know, I you mean, you got a great point. If you're thinking, well, Folino could take me out, but then, you know, Deloria could take me out too. You're going to think twice before you go after Kaprizov because there's a number of guys that are going to. Ryan Hartman will come after you too. Yeah. And he's a tough little you know what as well. Yes, he You is. know, we just did a, an interview with a, a <clears throat> hockey legend who talked about exactly that with, with hockey teams, specifically the Minnesota Wild now who've got a set of skilled players, but also have players that are not necessarily called the enforcers, but can enforce. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got the whole package with the yeah. players you've just discussed. The game's changed so much in the past five to seven years. And, I, you know, you look back and you think about, um, like, the Chris Simons of the world, the Jody Shelleys of the world, God rest his soul, the, the Bugards of the world. Yeah. Those guys who were third and fourth line guys wouldn't even crack an AHL lineup today because they just—it's it, not that way. The, the, that role of just a guy who's going to go out and bash your face and no longer exists because you have to be able to score too. You just can't do it. And so Nick Delorier is a great guy to have because he can be an enforcer. But if you need him, he can also score a goal. You know, because he'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, he can. He's got the speed to beat out the guy to the corner and and knock him off the puck, and then you control the possession in your own zone. So I think um, it, it's just a different game now, and and the Wild, everybody's had to adapt, but they've been, I think, extraordinarily good at figuring out who fits the roles that they need and who fits the roles like that they already have that they don't have to worry about anymore. It seems like everybody's satisfied with their role. I mean, you see the guys playing up and down the lineup if people are injured. Um you know, the, I I just see uh, Nick Bugstad, you know, coming back from yep. an injury, and he's playing fourth line, and then he got a chance to get bumped up to the first line for a while. Yep. You know, he scored a first power play goal yep. in how many years? And it's just like, okay, next man up, like you said, and yeah. uh, people, you know, I don't hear any griping. I don't hear no, anybody. No, and you know, I'm it's it because these guys, every single one of them, and I think this is the difference from teams of years past to now. Every single one of them have the exact same goal. They want to win, whatever it takes. They don't care if if they score five goals, if they score no goals, if one goes off their head, if they have to knock a guy into the corner. It just doesn't matter. It's it's whatever it takes to win, we'll do. And that's where scouting and getting the right guys and knowing the right guys, I think, come in comes into play. You know, doing your homework on a guy like a Nick Delorier who isn't going to come in here and go, well, I've never scored a goal anymore. I want to have 20 goals. You better pass me the puck. Nope, you're not going to work. Hey, Nick, <laughs> what do you think about this? Yeah, listen, I'll do whatever you want. You want me to bash your guy's face in if he touches Kirill? Fine, I'll, that's, that, that works for me. You know, you got a Ryan Hartman who can do it all. And, and so I think everybody here, everybody on the roster, top to bottom, including the goalies, Cam Talbot, you know, and they have the same thing. They want to win. I will say this about Cam Talbot. What amazes me is he could have completely, not to go off on a tangent, but he could have completely gone into the tank when they when we picked up Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, he could have absolutely. That could he had every and Billy said this. He had every right to go. Well, that could shake my confidence, but he is on a tear and he's played well. And so now you have the greatest problem you could ever have: which goaltender do we start in Game One of the playoffs? 
You have Talbot, who's great. You have Flurry, who's been great and has the experience. What a great problem to have. Which one of these guys do you want to start in game one? If, it, if it's got to be on the road or if it's here, whatever it is, maybe that changes. But um, what a great problem to have. And, and so, again, like it, it's all under the same thing. Everybody on this team wants to win, and that's it. You know, I know that you're a so-called, quote, rookie at your new position, <laughs> but you've got some significant passion here. So five years from now, yeah. where do you see yourself in this organization? Are you content with where you're at, or is there someplace else you'd rather eventually maneuver to? Could I be the owner? That would be fun. Heck I yeah. think that'd be a lot of – actually, I don't want that stress. Um you know, <laughs> I don't want this. And Greg does a great job. He's a great owner. He's, uh, he's, you know, I. It's probably the first time in my life that I've thought, you know, what if I'm here in the same spot in five years, ten years, I'm really thrilled. I, I, you know, the schedule works for me. I have, like I said, two kids, a wife who I get to see all the time. We come to games together. It's a family affair. We watch them at home if I'm, if I'm there and I'm not here. Um, I love what we're what we're doing here. And, and I think in our organization on the business side and on the hockey side, there is such a renewed effort to make sure that our employees are happy and valued and, and want to be here, want to work here. And that's what I get to do. I get to help that along. And that's such a great fun passion of mine as well. And I get to do it all with the background of hockey everywhere I go. And so Truly, this is the first time in my life. And my wife has said, she's like, I'm, she goes, I love you so much. And I'm so happy you're happy, but I'm so tired of hearing how great your job is. <laughs> I just can't hear it anymore because every day I come home, oh, what was it today? Oh, you know, I sat in a meeting with Craig and we chatted and shot the bull. And, and, you know, the meeting was, of course, was Craig was meeting with employees because he does that regularly. He just sits down and has meetings with employees, has coffee and just so they can chat with them. You know, I mean, what owner does that? And so it's a great place to be. And I really, for the first time in my life, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I love doing what I'm doing. I enjoy it. I can be around hockey when I want to. I can be around the business side when I want to. And I'm around people that I I think alike. Um, I believe in what they believe in. And so it's really a fun place to be. Dave, thanks for some fantastic insight into the Minnesota wild Mogi. I just have a couple. Can I throw out a couple more questions? Go Absolutely. For it, so, uh, you came here from New York and mm-hmm. I know I'm digressing a little bit. We talked about that a little bit, but, uh, what were your first impressions of the Minnesota state high school hockey tournament? I was blown away. I went, when I was in Bemidji, I drove down cause up there we we're Monday through Friday. So I had some time off. Uh, and I came down and I remember seeing, the entire Excel Energy Center filled to the rafters for a high school hockey tournament. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. And I remember talking with somebody and they're saying, yeah, you're watching right now. There's probably two or three, four, five guys that are going to go on to the NHL yeah. on, uh, in, in of all these teams, which is incredible. The number was probably higher, to be completely honest. Um, I love the passion for it. I love how the – I love specifically the small towns that literally close <laughs> – to come to the X and take out an entire section and cheer these boys on uh, and girls. And for a lot of these players, this is the highlight of their hockey playing career. And that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, they won't go on to college. Maybe they will. They won't go on to pros. Maybe they will. They won't go on to the Olympics. Maybe they will. And and so um, it's such a wonderful time for these kids to be celebrated for all their hard work and the town gets behind them and it's just good fun. And I, you know, 
I loved the student section cheers, regardless of maybe they weren't the nicest sometimes and maybe they weren't the most PC. I thought it was endearing. I understand why people wouldn't like it. Um, but I loved the student bodies get behind behind them. You know, it's just really good fun. And it's I had never experienced anything like this, an NHL arena selling out to watch high school sports, which yeah. is cool. It's pretty amazing. It's yeah. been like that since the day it was born. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and we have season ticket holders. And I found this the other day in a meeting that, that had been season ticket holders for a very long, for decades. Yeah. And they buy their tickets and they hang on to them and you have them forever. And they come down. I remember meeting a guy who I think he was from Ohio. And I said, oh, who are you here to watch? He said, no one. I just wanted to come experience this because I love hockey. And, I, and and this is like a bucket list thing for people to come over and watch the state high school hockey tournament. Very just cool. to show you it is the state of hockey. Yeah, it's, 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 it sure a, is. It's the state of hockey. And one, my last question for you is, uh, I know you've been around here for 20 plus years. So uh, since the inception of Hockey Day in Minnesota, you probably had a chance to experience some of those celebrations. Do you have any plans to go to White Bear Lake uh, next year with Ryan Carter? I'm pretty sure I will. I'm sure I'll be over there for it. And I'm sure I, I've actually never been to one in person. Um, I've just covered it from being a you know a TV sports guy that we, okay. we got to watch them. I really wished I could have gone to Bemidji a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, obviously that that because that town holds a special spot in my heart. But I'm excited to experience it. I as a high school hockey coach, we played one year. We played on Hockey Day. We played. It wasn't a big televised game, but it was uh, it was outside and it was fun. It was neat. It was, it just adds a different dynamic and. Yeah. Uh, it's a neat thing because it combines how much you love playing on the pond uh, with your buddies and then you take it outside to a real game. So it just has a different feel to it. So I, I can't wait uh, for Hockey Day Minnesota this year. I, I'm so excited to be able to experience it with the wild and not have to worry about what time's the game going to end. And we have to cut highlights for five, six or 10. Instead, I just get to hang out and enjoy the games and <laughs> run stats or whatever needs to be done. So um, I, I'm looking forward to it this year and, and covering it uh, from from this side of things. Cool. <laughs> what a better way to do it. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much oh, for your pleasure, time. Guys. This is uh this has been fantastic, Mogi. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And uh, thank you to the Minnesota Wild for opening up their doors for us and uh Go Wild. Yeah, go wild. Good luck the rest of the year and uh thanks for your time. Thank you guys. We'll see you in the playoffs. All right, a huge thank you to our audience, and we would like to thank our featured guest, Dave Schwartz again. A special thank you to our sponsors, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Clinic and Remedy Bloody Mary Mix. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us on our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And always, until our next episode, remember, stay on your inside edges. Catch up, friend.